of this series we're calling The Promise, and we've been talking about in this series the help that we have been promised as followers of Jesus Christ. If you have accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, and you've placed your faith in Him, then a work of the Holy Spirit has happened in your life. We saw early on in the series that you could never even believe in Jesus and believe in the salvation that comes through Him without the help of the Holy Spirit giving you the understanding and the faith that you have in order to believe that. And so if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has done a work in your life and in your heart, and He's a part of you. And so that's what we've been talking about. This help is the help of the Holy Spirit that has been promised us. And we, so we've been talking about all throughout this series. We opened up looking at who the Holy Spirit is. We talked about the Trinity and what the Bible teaches us about the Trinity and who the Holy Spirit is. We've been talking about every week since then what the Holy Spirit does, what it means to us as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and so uh, we, for, for those of you that, that may be new to us, this is kind of piggyback. Uh, series off a series we did all summer long. Uh, yeah, we did a series that lasted all summer called The Movement. And we did a study out of the book of Acts about the early church, how it started, how it all came together, how God did these incredible things in them and through them. And so we're kind of piggybacking off that because the power in which they did everything when the church began, when the movement began, it was able to be done because they had the presence and the help of the Holy Spirit uh, in their lives. And so today, what I want to do is I want to tie together some parallels between uh, the movement of the Holy Spirit that we studied all summer in the book of Acts and, and tie that together with some parallels of the movement of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life when he was here and doing ministry, and then how that pertains to us as the church 2,000 years later that's been called to do the exact same ministry that the movement did and that Jesus did and what this all means to us today. And so last week we saw the connection uh, between prayer and the uh, continual filling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's, that's how we feed off the Holy Spirit. That's how we have this continual filling of the Holy Spirit. It's connected to our prayer lives. And so if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back, catch up. All of our messages are on our website. They're available on podcast. And so while we're looking at that, I showed you a connection between prayer, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. And I want to go back to that this morning as we kick this off. We saw in Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and verse 22, it says this, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, don't miss the connection, as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And so here's what I want us to do today, uh, is to look at some of the ways that Jesus operated under the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? And, and compare that to how the Spirit worked in the early church, and also how He wants to work in the church today, in our lives, right here and right now. And then next week, we're going to close out this series by looking at uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and what that means to us and, and how that helps us as well. But this morning I want us to focus on the gospel according to Luke. Uh, because I believe of all the gospel writers, Luke's main theme is to show us that the power source for Jesus' ministry was the Holy Spirit. 
okay? Uh, and some of you may be thinking, well, I always thought that Jesus' source of power was the fact that he was God, right? And he was the Son of God. And, and yes, that's true, but Luke makes a, a, a point here uh, in, his gospel, in the Gospel of Luke to show us that a lot of the things that he did, a lot of the miraculous things that Jesus did, the healing, the being able to look into people's hearts and see their hearts, the preaching that he did, the praying with power that he did, resisting sin, he did all of that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, And so the reason this is important is because this is the exact same power that you have access to today. This is why it's important. The, the spirit has not changed. The access has not changed. The power has not changed. Okay, and so we studied the book of Acts over the summer where we learned, and Luke wrote that as well, and so that's why we can make these parallels between the gospel of Luke and, and the book of Acts is because Luke wrote both of these. And so as you study the book of Acts and Luke together, you see him drawing these parallels between the experiences of Jesus and the things that Jesus did and the experiences of the early church under this same power and presence of the Holy Spirit that was upon Jesus. And I just want to hit some highlights this morning real quick uh, between Jesus and Luke that he records and the church that he talks about in the book of Acts. In Luke, I want you to think about it. Jesus' birth began how? Jesus' birth began when the Holy Spirit visited his mother, right? The Holy Spirit came upon Mary, did a work in her body, and we had the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Jesus' ministry begins when we saw here in these scriptures earlier, it began when the Holy Spirit descended on him uh, at his baptism. Think about it. In the book of Acts, what did we see there? We see that the church is born. The, the church uh, uh, begins their ministry how? With the baptism of the Holy Spirit, with the presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus' first sermon that he ever preached was about uh, how the Spirit was upon him so that the captives would be set free. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more here in a few minutes. But Jesus' first sermon was about how he had been, how he was under the power of the Spirit in order to set the captives free. Peter's first sermon was about the Spirit's power on the church to testify about Jesus and the fact that we can all be set free through the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Again, it's this, this filling of the Spirit immediately after Jesus was baptized. Some of you that have studied this know this. After he was baptized and the Spirit came upon him, Jesus goes out and is tempted by the enemy. And Luke makes a note to say that he faced all of this temptation. Those days in the wilderness, in the desert, that he was tempted by Satan. He faces all that full of the Holy Spirit. Luke makes a point to tell us that. In Acts, right after the apostles were baptized, what happened to them? Well, they were dragged in front of the enemy. They were dragged in front of the Sanhedrin court. You'll remember, and, and, and the, the Acts 4, 8 says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were able to respond to those accusations. They were able to respond to the enemy that was against them. The similarities are, are so, so awesome. In, in Luke, Jesus gets sent out by the Spirit to do what? To travel around Israel and preach this good news, preach the gospel. In Acts, Jesus tells the, the apostles, when the Spirit comes upon you, 
That spirit will enable you not only just to travel around Israel and preach the gospel, but there will be a greater work that will be done in you because it won't just be one person filled with the Holy Spirit that can just travel around Israel, but all of you are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is why it's better. This is why it's greater because instead of it just being one, now it's going to be many, and you're going to go outside of Israel, and you're going to be my witnesses into all the world, right? through the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Luke draws a number of parallels between uh, things that Jesus did in the power of Spirit uh, in Luke and the things that the church did in the power of the Spirit in the book of Acts. So this morning I want us to look at three specific parallels that I think are important uh, to us today. And the first one that I want to point out is, is preaching and the parallel between Jesus and and the church, all right? In Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 14, says this about Jesus before his, his first sermon. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, don't miss this, in the power of the Spirit, all right? And, and we read that and go, well, of course he did because he's Jesus, right? But don't miss this. The same language that is used here about Jesus is the language we see used about the people in the early church when they were preaching, when this movement began and it took off and did such amazing things. In Acts 2, we saw it say that Peter was filled with the Spirit. Acts 4, Peter and John were filled with the Spirit when they were standing before the Sanhedrin facing these allegations. Uh, Acts 4 verse 31 says that when the early Christians were filled with the Spirit, they went out preaching boldly into the world. When the Spirit is upon you, you will go out and be bold in your faith and be His witnesses into the world. We saw that. Acts chapter 7, we saw the story of Stephen, uh, right? And, and it says that Stephen was filled with the Spirit when he preached right before he was stoned to death, which we learned when we saw that this was kind of the seed that was planted uh, that uh, brought the Apostle Paul to his great faith and the great conversion that he experienced in his life. In, in fact, look at this. Jesus told the apostles to depend on the Spirit when we preach. And we touched on this previously in this series, but I want, this series, but I want to look at it again today. Luke chapter 12. Verse 11 uh, and 12, when you are brought before synagogues, when you're brought before rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you're going to defend yourselves or what you're going to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. All right, I want you to think about this. These people, these, these disciples, these apostles, these followers, they didn't have a seminary degree. All right, and I'm not dissing seminary. I think it's a wonderful thing, and a lot of our pastors receive some great training in seminary. These guys didn't have seminary degrees, right? They didn't have a D-man beside their name, which means doctorate of ministry. All right, they didn't have any of that. They had something that was so much more powerful. They had something that was uh, so much better than anything that they could ever learn, anything that they could come up with on their own, anything that they might be able to take from a book. And this is huge for us. This is so huge for us. The same Holy Spirit that gave Jesus the power and the ability to preach powerful messages, right? The same Holy Spirit that enabled him to preach was the same Spirit that gave the disciples the power and the ability to preach and teach powerful messages as well, which, oh, by the way, 
is the exact same spirit that we have with us today that will enable us and give us the ability and the power to preach powerful messages and teach you know, powerful uh, lessons as well. And, and I'm not just talking this morning about this very uneducated guy that's standing on the platform before you. I mean, you can be around me a very short period of time and you know that I am not very educated, right? But, but here's the deal. This power is not only available to me, this power is available to you. It's not a work of the Holy Spirit in the preacher. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And you are the church, right? Good. Uh, I, I, we can go back and do that whole summer series again if you want to. But, right? This power is available to every single one of us. The power to shape our words, Right? The, the power to put into our mind the exact thoughts and the exact words that we need when we get put in a situation to where we need to share with someone about Jesus or, or defend our faith. And, and we sometimes think that we're not qualified to do that. We're not educated enough to do that. We're not polished uh, enough to do that. Or, or we don't know how to talk about uh, Jesus, or we don't know how to have a conversation with someone about where they're going to spend eternity or, or the condition of their soul. Well, I'm going to, I'm, I agree with you. You're exactly right. You are not qualified, right? You and I are not qualified to do any of those things, but that is the beauty of the promise. Do you get it? That's the beauty of the promise that Jesus has made us, uh, has made us. God has promised us the help that we need. He knows us. <laughs> He knows we're bumbling, stumbling, you know. He knows that about us. And he says, I'll help you. I have a help for you. And and so he knows that we're going to need that help to be able to do exactly what it is that he's commanded us to do. And he has commanded us to be his witnesses here on this earth. All right? And, And that's not just my calling. That's not just the pastor's calling. That's the calling of the body of Christ. That that's the calling of the church is to be his witnesses and to do his work on this earth. And and so we have no excuse whatsoever because he has promised us the help that we need in order to preach his word, in order to teach his word, in order to be his witnesses. So don't tell me you don't have what it takes to do it because God has given you exactly what it takes to do it. It just falls under that uh, category of obedience and being available. And being willing. Another thing that we specifically see Luke draw a parallel to between Jesus and the church is this. And I I love this because I love this for our church. It's making a difference. All right, making a difference in the world that we live in, making a difference in the community that we live in. Right? In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus started his first sermon out like this. Okay, so Jesus gets up to preach his own sermon. He don't have an iPhone with a Bible on it. He don't have an iPad, right? Uh, he don't even have a Bible. He gets out a scroll, and he begins to unroll the scroll. And he unrolls the scroll to a passage of Scripture that was written by the prophet Isaiah, something that had been prophesied years and years uh, before Jesus ever came. And Jesus opens the scroll. And he begins his first sermon with this text right here. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Don't miss this. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed 
free, to set the captives free. And then Jesus says a few verses down in verse 20 after he reads this, and he says, and today, because you have heard these things, this prophecy is being fulfilled. This is me. This was me that the prophet Isaiah was telling you about. And now I'm here to tell you that this prophecy is going to be fulfilled and the captives are going to be set free. All right? Peter summarized Jesus in ministry. We saw in the book of Acts chapter 10, uh, Peter said it like this. He said he went around doing good and healing. That's what he said about Jesus. And in the same way, in the same way that Jesus went around doing good, and making a difference in the world, we saw that exact same thing with the apostles when the movement began, did we not? I mean, that's exactly what they were doing. They were using the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world. They were using the power that had been unleashed on them to set the captives free. All right, And, and, and we saw the story uh, over in the book of Acts chapter 16 where the apostle Paul, he meets up with a servant girl who's possessed by a demon. Uh, those of you that, that were here remember the story. And basically her owners were renting her out for entertainment because she was demon possessed and, and they were using her to make money. She literally is spiritually enslaved. She's literally uh, uh, economically enslaved. Right? And Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, what does he do? Well, he helps her, he delivers her, right? And he sets her free from this captivity. The captives will be set free when the power of the Holy Spirit is working on us. She, she's literally, uh, he literally does this for her. Listen, and don't miss this. The promise of the Holy Spirit of God empowers you to help people the power of the Holy Spirit of God enables you to make a difference. The Spirit of God in your life enables you to set captives free. Just like it did with Jesus, just like it did with the apostles, the same Spirit is available to you today, and that Spirit enables us to make a difference in this world and to set captives free. And in week two, if you were here, we saw a great example of this. We, we talked about, you know, back to that verse where Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will do even greater things than I did. And I introduced you to uh, some awesome people that we are, we're seeing God use in mighty ways and doing some incredible things. And the, the uh, Conway Ministries Center uh, came and visited with us that Sunday. And they shared with us about how God is using them and hundreds and hundreds of volunteers right here in central Arkansas. What are they doing, folks? They are setting the captives free. That's exactly what they're doing. Setting them free from the bondage of being homeless. Can you, can you ima imagine how, how ca you know, captive those people must feel? How, how pressed they must feel to know they have nowhere to go and spend the night? Right? And, and so the, this ministry in Conway that we're a part of and we support and we could provide a whole lot more support than what we're doing, but they're setting these captives free. That from the bondage of homelessness, from the bondage of being hungry, from the bondage of, of living a life without any hope whatsoever, right? And God has promised us the help we need to set the captives free. He's promised us the help that we need to be able to make a difference in the world. Deborah, I, I just can't get over what happened last night. I mean, a young man in our church we've been telling you about, diagnosed with brain cancer, been going through just a really difficult time for him and his family. Deborah took it upon herself 
to, to try to do a fundraiser. There's some medical expense. They had to fly him to Spring, uh, Springfield, Missouri, and insurance doesn't pay for that kind of stuff. And so they had just uh, they had a huge weight upon them with this. Debbie, Deb took it upon herself, organized a wonderful event yesterday. Many of you attended and donated, raised $4,000 to help that young family. The Spirit of God enables us to set people free. God has promised us the help that we need to make a difference in the lives of people and to help set the captives free. And when you are working for the oppressed, when you are working for those who are in captive, the Spirit of God will be or can be powerfully at work within you and within this church. Without a doubt. And some of you, I know, you know, I, I know you've got difficult situations of your own. And some of you would say, Steve, you know what? I'm just doing the best I can right now just to get by. I can't fill a box. I can't help with Thanksgiving. I can't help a family uh, at, at Christmas time. I'm just doing my dead level best right now just to do what I can. I don't know how I could ever make a difference in this world. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're exactly right. You can't. You can't make a difference. You can't set the captives free. But you were promised the help to be able to do it. All right? So don't tell me you can't because Jesus says you can. Right? No matter our situation, no matter where we are, we have the power and we have help to make a difference in this world. And so there's really no excuses, is there? And sometimes it's more simple than what we realize. We try to make it complicated. We try to make it look like it's something really hard to do just so we have an excuse not to do it or not to try it. You know, but sometimes it can be so simple. I mean, like an Operation Christmas Child shoebox, simple. That's making the difference in the life of one child somewhere around the world. You can fill a box for maybe 10 bucks. Right? If you want to include the shipping, they'll get that box where it needs to go. That's another nine. Less than 20 bucks. That's simple. That, that's easy stuff. That's making a difference in the life of a child around the world. Thanksgiving meal boxes. What are we doing? Making a difference in this community. Setting a captive free. Someone who looks at their neighbor or looks at the people they go to school with and go, you know what, our family can't do a big turkey and do a big dinner spread and all that and, and be able to celebrate, you know, the blessings in life. You know what, but we can help them. We can help them be set free from that captivity, from that bondage that they feel they may be under. If it just be for one day, a Thanksgiving food box will make a difference in our community. Volunteering to serve at the ministry center. You know, they, they talked about it when they were here a, a few weeks ago. We've partnered with them in financial ways. We've done some things with them. You're going to hear more about it in the days ahead as we, you know, pick up food at Walmart and feed the need and all kinds of different things that, that we put in front of you. But you know what? It'd be just absolutely awesome to just go volunteer. 
Google Conway Ministry Center. They have a, a section there where you can volunteer, see what items they're needing every single week. They put out there the needs that they have, a place where you can go and volunteer. Wow, how awesome would it be to volunteer with your kids or your grandkids and help set the captives free and to be a part of that? Right? We can do that. That's something that can be done. Providing clothing and shoes for the, the, the less fortunate uh, in our, our community. That's making a difference. Folks, we live in Greenbrier, and I think so many of us are, are living uh, shielded. Or I, I think so many of us don't really understand this community that we live in. It's a great community, and we're blessed to be here. But I think the majority of the people in this community don't understand the depth of poverty that is in our community, right here where we live. I mean, school began August, since August. This is Greenbrier, Arkansas. We're not talking about a third world country here. We have purchased nearly 70 pair of tennis shoes for kids that needed shoes. They just needed shoes to wear. Because theirs were falling apart. And their family couldn't afford to get them just a pair of shoes. This is Greenbrier. This is what the school outreach is all about. When you hear or see about school outreach, we're ministering to kids in our school district right here and surrounding school districts as well. You know, I don't think we understand that there are kids right here in Greenbrier, Arkansas, who are sent home every Friday a backpack filled with food just so the teachers and the counselors know that those kids will have something to eat over the weekend. Without that backpack, they may not even get fed over the weekend. Uh, uh, there's a, uh, another uh, deal that they do on Friday. They will send a meal home with the students on the bus so that they know at least they're going to get a meal on Friday night. Our cafeteria workers prepare that for them. Folks, there's a great need right here in Greenbrier, Arkansas. And a lot of us are living in such luxury that we're blinded to the fact that there are some captives right here that need to be set free. And God has given us the power and called us to do it. We've been promised everything that we need to make a difference in this world, to make a difference in this community. And we've been called to do that. Making a difference at your job. Make a difference at school. Make a difference at the Senior Citizen Center. Make a difference at the Stake and Shake. Make a difference wherever you go. We have been called to make a difference in this community and in this world. The promise is that the Holy Spirit will enable us and help us to do that. So um, I'm saying, quit telling me we can't. <laughs> because we can. We've been called, and we've been empowered, and we've been enabled to do what God has called us to do here in this, in this world. And, and so can I just ask you this morning, are you personally, not talking about the church, because we all say, oh yeah, I'm part of the church, and the church is doing this. No, I'm, I'm saying make this personal this morning. Are you making a difference for Jesus Christ in this world? Are you making a difference for Jesus in this world? Because I'm here to tell you today, you can and you should. You can and you should because you've been promised the help of the Holy Spirit to do just that. And then the third one I want to point out this morning, I know I need to move on. They got some great food back there this morning. This one's filling with joy. And I'm telling you, I just have to laugh out loud 
Uh, I was working on this message. I hadn't actually got to this point uh, yet. Um, those of you that have been around several years, you know from time to time, our staff will ask me to make a, uh, a video, like announcement, so they can show it here at church and put it on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that, just announcement about things coming up. We normally do it around the holidays and the Easter and those sort of things. But anyway, so Hunter, Hunter comes to me and he says, uh, he does all our video and editing and all that stuff. And he says, okay, so we need to make a video for the Thanksgiving boxes. And, I, and when they do that, I'm just like, oh, my. How many of you like to see yourself on video? I mean, nobody, Right. And so he says, we need to make a video. And so I'm like, okay, well, what do you want me to say? And so he says, well, you know, just tell them about the Thanksgiving. What, well, what else? You know, do you want me to talk about the Operation Christmas Child boxes? Or, you know, what, what, what do you want me to say? Give me some bullet items, you know. And so he says, well, you know, just say what we're doing. And I'm, I said, okay. So he, I said, when you want to do it? And he said, Thursday. I said, Thursday when? Thursday morning. I don't do mornings well. I, I can't make a video in the morning. I, at least let me get some coffee. He said, okay, would tennis be okay with you? I'm like, well, maybe. We'll see how the coffee is going. So Thursday morning, uh, Dad, you ready to make the video? Oh, yes, I'm thrilled. Let's go make a video. He said, I've got the cameras, the lighting, everything set up out there in the new children's center. He said, all you got to do is just come say what you're going to say. I said, all right. So I go out there, and he's got it. I mean, it's like a movie studio in there, and I'm standing in front of the camera. And, and it's so awkward because I don't know how to look at a camera because I never really know which direction this eye is going to look. And so I don't even know if y'all can tell if I'm looking at the camera or not or if I'm looking over here or I'm looking around the corner. I mean, we never really even know. But regardless of where this eye goes, just so y'all know, it ain't seeing nothing, Okay. The, 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 I, I'm seeing absolutely nothing. So, you know, I kind of have to figure out how to look at the camera. But, but anyway, so I go into my spiel. He, you know, tells me to go. I go into my spiel. I'm telling it all. I, I say everything I wanted to say, and I get done. And I'm like, phew, you know, did, got that in one take, you know. And uh, Hunter said, could we do that one more time? Why? And he said, well, it would be nice if you would... Uh, and I could tell he was, he was searching for his words. If you would act like you were happy. <laughs> so the jury's out. I think the video starts next week or the week over. So we reshot it. And then I've, I'm working on my sermon. And I was like, wow. You know, and we talked about this a few weeks ago. But, but I don't know anyone who couldn't use a little more joy in their life. You know, yeah, the hogs won, but it's still ugly. <laughs> um, and, and I think this is, this is so important for us to understand, at least for me. The promise of the Holy Spirit is also what helps us to have joy. Okay? L look at the parallels that Luke shows us again here between Jesus and the church. All right, Luke chapter 10, verse 21 starts out like this. At that time, Jesus, don't miss this, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus, the Holy Spirit was what enabled him to be filled with joy. Right? 
And then we saw last week in Acts chapter 2 that, that when the Spirit of God came upon the church and, and the movement began, you know, we saw that people inside the movement and people outside the movement, when they looked at this group of people, they were in awe, right? They were in awe of what they were seeing and what they were experiencing. And, and, and Luke talks about in Acts that there was a gladness that filled their hearts because of this. Don't miss this. A sign of a spirit-filled believer is joy. A, a sign of a spirit-filled believer is joy. The sign of a spirit-filled church is joy. I, I, give our, I give our ladies, I don't know what to call y'all. I, you know, when you're not around, I, I call you the blue-haired bunch. But <laughs> honestly, I, I don't think any of you have blue hair. Uh, it's a pretty shade of gray, and some of you are still coloring it, and that's good too. Hey, if I had hair, I'd color mine. But I, they get together, and it is just joy. Just joy. They... Uh, Tuesday mornings, they, get up, they, they call it, I think they call it Bible study. Uh, or, but seriously, they'll be in the Family Life Center, and we can hear them laughing in the offices up here. And, and I just love to walk out there and just hear them laugh. That's the church. Now, I'm not saying that we'll all be filled with the Spirit, Spirit and act all, you know, giddy and perky, you know, that's annoying. I don't think that's of the Spirit. I think that's an act. You know, people that just act that way all the way, all, all the time. I'm pretty for, for sure I'm filled with the Spirit, and I'm not just, yeah, I'm not that. And so I'd prefer if you didn't that around me, all right? <laughs> no, I can't. But I promise you, you will know you're that person by just the look on my face. Because my face often says exactly what I'm thinking. I can't hide it. And it'll be like, mm, get out of get, yeah. But, but here's the deal. I, I believe Scripture and God is crystal clear that we have been promised joy. All right? A, a spirit-filled church will be a church that has fun serving Jesus. I make no apologies for having fun. Uh, a spirit-filled church will be characterized by their joy. And that is seen in the services, you know, uh, and everything else that it does. And sure, in the church, there are times for solemn moments, for solemn reflection, uh, a time of, uh, of repentance, uh, a time of, uh, of, of serious prayer. You know, there's a time of mourning that, that happens in the church, and that's part of it. But the church as a whole, of all places in this entire world today, should be a place that is known by their joy. Because where else is the world going to get it? At the bar? You know, the church of all places should be a place of peace and, and joy. Psalm 100 again says, Shout for joy to the Lord. All the earth worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. 
Psalm 35, 7 says, May those who delight in salvation shout for joy. Galatians 5, Be filled with the Spirit, singing and making a melody in your heart to the Lord. A singing heart is a happy heart that's been filled with joy. Psalm 16, In His presence is fullness of joy. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, he said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow. Here it is again. We've been talking about it when we're continually filled with the Spirit. We will overflow with these things, right? When people bump into us, we will overflow with what? With hope by the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work in us. You know, can I just ask you this morning, how can you be in the presence of Jesus Christ? How can you know and understand what He has done for you and He has filled you with this awesomeness and with this power that only comes from the Holy Spirit? How can we be filled with that and know that and have that and not be filled with joy? Well, Steve, that's just not my personality. (laughs) You know, I'm just kind of laid back, and I'm not really one that expresses myself in those ways, and that's just not my personality. Oh, really? Joy is not your personality. Brother Jim taught us a Hebrew word years ago, baloney. You may tell me that it is not your personality to express joy, but I'm going to tell you this morning that if you found out that you just won the Mega Millions lottery for over a billion dollars, I'd bet you'd show a little joy then. Huh? Amen? Huh? When does it become good stewardship to buy a ticket? I don't even know, but... But I would say this, if you're not joyful in your worship... And living a joy-filled life, it might be because you find greater value in winning the lottery than you do in your salvation of God. And help us if that's where we've gotten to. We see the parallels here between Jesus, the movement, the Holy Spirit so what's the point because really there's only one point to this message today and it's this Jesus depended on the power of the Spirit and if Jesus did how much more should we Jesus ministered to folks. He did miracles. He resisted the devil. He overcame the desire to sin. He overcame sin. How? Don't miss this. The power of the Holy Spirit. And and honestly, I, I never saw this before. I always thought Jesus did all these things just because... He was Jesus and the Son of God. And yes, there were times where he did that. But this morning, we've, we've seen Luke 
you know, show us several places where Jesus depended on the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. So, so that we could see that, so that we could understand that we have access to that same power and that we have been promised that. Folks, that is the promise. And I believe that, it, I, I believe this with all my heart, that if we could ever get to the point to where we fully understand and believe this, to, to the point where we claim this promise and we live in this promise and, and depend on the power of the Spirit in our lives and in our church, I believe that we would see the most incredible things happening in our lives and in our families and, and in our church today. Right? And, 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 you know, the battles of life. Think, think about the things we go through. I mean, that try to rob us of our joy. The battles of life, the struggles in marriage. The challenge of trying to parent and raise kids in this world today. Listen, these battles and these challenges will not be won in your own strength and in your own power. They are won by those who are mighty in spirit. Right? Zechariah 4, 6 says this, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See, a lot of us are fighting these battles and facing these challenges with no power. And, and, and we get frustrated by that. And, and so today, church, there's only one point to this entire message today, and it's this. Jesus depended on the power of the Spirit, and if He did, how much more should we? And this morning, maybe this morning as we close together, I want to open the altars for just a, a time of prayer. And, and maybe this morning you're here and you've got a struggle. You've got a challenge, something that, that you're up against. You've got a need. And you just want to call out on the Spirit of God to be that source of help and hope and power in your life. I encourage you to come this morning while we pray together before we're dismissed. Uh, you're not going to overcome it in your own power, all right? But you can by the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. And maybe this morning you'd just like to come to the altar today and, and seek the Holy Spirit in whatever it is that you're going through or decision that you need to make right now. I invite you to come this morning to these altars. Maybe uh, today you walked in here lacking this joy that we're talking about. Maybe that's you today. And, and, and you walked in here that way today. This joy is promised through the help of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want to come today and pray for that joy that can only come from Him, that He would restore to you the joy of your salvation. Maybe today you, you need to be more bold in your witness and in your testimony about God, and you know that, and God's been speaking to you about that. And maybe this morning you just like to come and say, God, help me. You promised to help. You promised to be exactly what I need in every moment. So, God, I, I need your help today. Maybe you'd like to come uh, and pray about that. Maybe some of you would like to come pray today uh, that you would make a difference in this world by the help of the Holy Spirit. We've been called to make a difference. And maybe today you'd just come and say, I'm available. I'm obedient. I want to I be used. Do what you, only you can do in me and through me, God. Use me to make a difference in this community. Use me to make a difference in my job. Use me to make a difference at school. Use me to make a difference in this world. 
whatever it is today, I believe that God's speaking to some hearts. And I invite you to come right now. We're about to close with a word of prayer. God's speaking to our hearts today about this promise that he's given us to help us. And I don't believe there's one of us here this morning that don't need his help. There's a prayer chest here. If something like come pray over that, it's just filled with names of people. We're praying would come to know Jesus, place their faith in him, experience what we've been talking about here today. Let's join together this morning, church, as we pray together to seek our God for his help in our lives and in our church. God, I, I love it so much when your word just pours into our lives a hope that can only come from you and through you. A beautiful reminder today of the importance of the Spirit in the work you did while you were here. You came to this earth and you lived a life as an example for us to follow. Part of that example is, is that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do your work. I thank you for showing that to me this week and revealing that to us today through your word. I thank you for showing us how all of this began, how the church began, the movement began. It began in the work of the Holy Spirit. And if we as the church today are going to do the work that we've been called to do, it's only going to be done through the work of the Holy Spirit. Not a better plan, not a better preacher, not a better sermon, not a better lesson. But it's through the help of the Holy Spirit. So we want to be available to be used today. We want to be obedient. I pray for those in our church that are going through what they go through. Physical ailments. Time of mourning. Time of loss. A time of confusion, maybe. I don't know, but I, I know we face a lot of things in life that want to rob us of our joy. My prayer today is that you would restore the joy of our salvation. Regardless of our situation, we would understand we serve a good God. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always going to help us. You're always going to provide for us. And so, God, we, we thank you for that today. And some people today just need to be reminded of that. But, God, those people that need it also need people around them that have the help that they need to be obedient, to be the help, to make a difference. And a lot of times we just pat people on the back and say, I feel sorry for you. When you actually have called us to come alongside of them and even carry them, if that need to be the situation. So I pray that we'd be able to see people and their situations with the eyes of Christ. And you would lay upon our hearts exactly what we need to do. And that we wouldn't make an excuse. But we would thank you for the opportunity and the help and the power to be able to do whatever it is that you've asked us to do. So I thank you again for inviting us to your work. I thank you again for... Uh, what you've done in and through this church for over a hundred years and I just pray that it will continue will continue to be used by the powerful hand of God to make a difference in this community and make a difference in this world I thank you again for the other churches we're so blessed I saw brother Sonny the pastor up here at Free Will 
this weekend just reminded me how faithful and how beautiful the church of God truly is in this community. So I pray for them. I pray that revival would break out among them and you would give them souls and give them fruit for their obedience and their work that they're doing to build the kingdom. And I thank you that we can partner with them and many other great churches around this community to do that. We're blessed. We've been blessed to be a blessing. And I pray that we would go out from here today doing just that. That we would make you look awesome. And we'll always be careful to give you the praise and give you the glory. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. I love you guys so much. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget the teams are having a benefit. If we can meet with small group leaders real quickly here at the front, we just need five minutes of your time. If you lead a small group or would be interested in leading a small group, we want to talk to you just for a